Amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, we're still on our journey of faith through this great hall of fame of faith. And I'm not going to stay in there very long. I'll be going back to Genesis chapter 22. So I got a double barrel text. If one don't get you, the other one will. That's probably a bad analogy, isn't it? Amen. But anyway, uh, thank God for Hebrews chapter 11. And thank God for the faith of the fathers. You know, it's contagious. Faith is contagious. Uh, it is cult. And I know a lot of you are hurting today. I think about my um, daughter-in-law, Stephanie. Is, this is her first Father's Day without her daddy, Brother Gary. And then this morning I got a video from my son-in-law, Trent. He was just a-weeping because he wanted to thank me for the privilege of being in my family and that I was a father to him because his Daddy died when he was 11 years old, I believe of a drug overdose. And so it's a hard day, but I want to tell you what's so precious. There is a heaven. Amen. And folks, that heaven is going to be a great reunion. If I had to do it over again, I'd tell my daddy more often that I love him and I appreciate him. And I'm not a hugger, so I don't really miss all this. But um, uh, I would hug his neck and tell him I appreciate him because he used to wear two pair of overalls and work on tin roofs to put food on our table. Now, he wasted a lot of it before he got saved. But I ain't going to look at that part. I'm going to look at the part where he got saved. Amen. And I know you all get tired of that. One fellow left our church said, I'm tired of hearing your daddy's testimony. And I looked at him very kindly and I said, hasta la vista, baby. No, I didn't. I didn't say that, brother. I really didn't. I didn't say that. I wanted to say that, but I didn't say that. You know, because that's the only daddy I had and that's the only time he got saved. And thank God for it. But, um. I just appreciate the precious memories and the precious home. And folks, if you've got a godly daddy that wants to bring you to church, you ought to thank God. Amen? If you have a daddy that you can obey, you ought to obey him twice today. Amen? Without any fretting or panicking or pouting, just gladly, willingly take out the garbage. Praise God. And uh, I want to preach on the father of faith. And uh, even Muslims honor Abraham. Isn't that some? Catholics honor Abraham. We Baptists, we probably take him for granted. But I want to tell you something. I'm not going to talk about him being the father of a great nation, Israel. Uh, and in the line of Jesus, I want to talk to him about being a great father to Isaac. And what he did in Genesis chapter 20. Tonight, now please tune in. Because I'm going to preach on the test of your faith. Let me just say this. If your faith cannot be tested, it cannot be trusted. You know, when I get on a plane, I pray to God, Brother Kevin, especially when I'm flying where, where you live, Miss Corley, where you live, uh, that they've tested that sucker. Amen. They just tested it a couple of times and it's stood the test because uh, 18-hour flight without a stop, I want that thing to run. Say amen. So I wouldn't get on a plane that hadn't been tested. Amen. And so if your faith can't be tested, it can't be trusted. There ain't no way. And so I'll be preaching on that. I'm excited about that. Same text, uh, just different, different message tonight, 6 o'clock. Please tune in. I don't know if you're tuned in or not, but I trust you are. And I'm preaching for Jesus, but I sure would like to know you're listening. So if you could chime in somehow, I don't know how to do all that stuff. But I thank God for the modern technology most of the time that we have to uh, communicate the gospel. I was at a socially distanced um, wedding yesterday. That was really funny. The only time I saw anybody touch was the groom 
kissed the bride. And I won't tell you what happened to them on their honeymoon last night. I just won't tell you. But I'll just tell you this. When they got to the cabin, there was somebody else there. Only that could happen to Tyler. He's carrying her across the threshold, and all of a sudden these guys say, what are you doing? You know, anyway. And so, anyway, we got them a motel, and they're fine. But I told you I wasn't going to tell you. But anyway, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. It's just so hilarious. I had to tell you, but only to Tyler would that happen. He'll be here next Sunday night uh, presenting his work. You say, how's he going to present his work? Over the camera, I guess. I don't know. Praise God. I'm just going to encourage the young man. It's going to be his first meeting after his honeymoon. He wanted to be at Whitfield Baptist Church. I didn't tell him he wasn't having church. So anyway, amen. He's, we'll just, just uh, encourage him. Tune in on internet. All right, let's stand on the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. I love being a daddy. I love being a father. I love being a grandfather. I got uh, my family here. Um, Brother Mark, he's the only missionary I know, Miss Brunella, that can book a meeting on Father's Day. He's the only one. Now, ain't nobody else going to have anybody missionary, but I guarantee you, Brother Mark Coffey can get into church. He borrowed my car and took my granddaughter uh, to Kingston, Tennessee this morning about 5 o'clock, so you pray for him. And I don't know how he does it, Brother Kevin, but he books on Father's Day. It's good. Amen. I think I'm going to start a camp. Anyway, let's look at verse 17. Amen. Verse 17, Hebrews chapter 11. I don't know if you're smiling or frowning behind those masks, but I hope you're smiling just a little because it will encourage me if I know that you're enjoying at least some of this service before you leave. The Bible says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he had, that had received the promise of offered up his only begotten son, of whom he, it is said that in Isaac shall the seed be called. It was a promise that he was going to be the seed of a great nation and through Jacob, 12 tribes, and praise God. But look at verse 19. This is amazing to me. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, for whence also he received him in a figure. I'm going to let you all be seated because you look like you're tired. And I know especially you nurses have been wearing those masks all week. You're very tired, so just sit down and enjoy yourself for a few minutes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the good song. That blessed my heart. I'd come to church this morning just to hear that song. Our brother Randy. And Lord, you have been good. You've been good to all of us. Lord, I think about Brother Austin and how he wept before the ceremony last yesterday because he couldn't come and marry off one of his little girls that was raised in the church and raised in Arequipa. And of course, Brother Tyler, that was like a son to him. And God, I thank you for the privilege and health and strength to be here. I do pray for my son-in-law who's uh, having mixed emotions about Father's Day because his father's been gone a long time. I pray that you'd use him and help him, God, to, to manage all the hustle and bustle of this pandemic and all the things and opinions and all the things he's going through as they start, try to uh, carefully start church up again this morning. And Lord, please give him wisdom and guard and protect my family. Lord, I thank you, dear God, for um, your fatherhood. I thank you, dear God, for taking care of us and being a father that never lets us down. Lord, you're such a good father. And God, you care so much. And I love you so much. And I thank you, God, for the privilege of being able to preach these 46 years in full-time ministry. But it never gets old.
still exciting. I still have butterflies. I still get nervous over preaching your precious word. So, Lord, please help me. Fill me with your spirit and help me be a shepherd to this flock. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You know, um, there was a young fellow one time that was very enthused about being in a play, and he, he came up to his daddy as he was having a special talk with his dad and said, I have the first part as an actor in the school play, and I'm playing a man that's been married for 25 years. And the dad responded and said, well, that's good, son. Just keep it right up. Keep practicing. One of these days, you'll get a speaking part. <laughs> Y'all didn't get that, did you? Amen. Anyway, one of these days, you'll get a speaking part. And so anyway, uh, I'm glad that fathers have a chance to do something that will last for eternity, and that's have an input into their children's lives. Um, I really believe with all my heart that fatherhood is the most overlooked but the most essential position in the United States of America. The Bible says that in Genesis chapter 18 that uh, God would make Abraham a great nation because he ruled his family, I, that I know him and that he rules his family, that he, he he's the head of the house and that he's... Um, uh, one that takes the responsibility of, of being a father. I'll never forget hearing about the story of a young father who was pushing a baby carriage. You ever done that? You have twins, you'll do it. I guarantee you will. Uh, and it seemed quite uh, unperturbed by the whales emerging from that carriage. I mean, the little baby was letting it rip. And he kept saying, easy now, Albert, easy now, Albert, easy now. And he said it. He, he quietly, and he, and he control, control yourself, Albert. Calm down, Albert, he kept saying. And another howl rang out, and he said, Now, now, Albert, um, uh, keep your temper, and then uh, uh, don't, don't lose control, Albert. And a young mother passing by remarked, I must congratulate you, smiling. She said, You know just how to talk to the baby so, the baby so calmly and gently. And she patted the youngster on the head, and cooed and said, what's bothering you, Albert? And the father piped up and says, no, no, no. His name's Harold. I'm Albert. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if y'all need to laugh and smile, but I do. Amen. Praise God. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says in verses 17, or, uh, 17 through 19, that Abraham was commanded to take the precious gift of his son, Isaac, and lay him on an altar. And I, I, I never could figure out how he could do that because he loved him so much and he was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, so it was a miracle. Praise God for that. How would you like to have a baby when you're 90 years old? All you ladies are shaking your head. All you senior saints, not me, not again. But um, uh, in Genesis chapter 22, I want you to turn there, please. And we're just going to be there here for a few minutes. And I want you to see uh, the phrase, both together. One of the most precious things we have is our family. And the precious thing that we have is to raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It'll last time, uh, a lot longer than you ever think and ever thought. And when you're kicking up tulips in uh, shady acres up here uh, and, and you're dead and gone, your children will live on and your ministry will live on if you do a good job 
fathers, and you put your child, your Isaac, on the altar, and you give him back to God. You give the blessings of God back to him. And I want you to see this in Genesis chapter 22, and we'll just be a few minutes, and uh, y'all gave it to me about 15 after, so I'm just trying to get warmed up to preach a little bit, and that's good. But the Bible says in Genesis 22, you with me? And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, and the word means tried, the devil tempts us to do bad, God always tries us to be better and be more like him. Say amen. And Abraham said to him, uh, he said, and, and he said, tempt Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and I want you to notice this phrase, and he said, behold, here am I. Three times in this passage, he says, here am I. Hey, friend, I want to tell you something. Fathers, you need to be present. You need to be, uh, you need to be in a place of responsibility. You need to take this as an awesome privilege and responsibility as a, as a father and be there. Be there. Look at verse 2. And he said, Take thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. That's the first time love's mentioned in the Bible. There's a power of the first mention in the Bible. Here's the first time the word love's mentioned in the Bible, and it's about a father loving his son. Amen. How many of you love your children? Say amen. amen. Of course you're going to say amen. Praise God. They're sitting next to you. But it says, Whom thou lovest, and get thee in the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and, and took the two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave, and listen, clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went to the place which God had told him. Now I preach Wednesday on obedience. There is no way, fathers, you can lead without being a follower. You cannot be a leader without being a student. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. You have no authority until you submit. Say amen. And if you're not submissive, you counsel your authority. But if you submit to the living God and the Word of God, you have the authority of God's Word through and in you. Amen. What a blessing. And Abraham rose up early. And on the third day, verse 4, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now can you imagine what they're going through? And Abraham said unto his young man, to his young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. When, uh, folks, listen. We ought to count trying times as a time to worship. Listen to this. And come again unto you. There's faith. Amen. And Abraham took the wood and burnt offering. And here's my text. And laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they both of them together. And they went both of them together. Would you underline that's the first time it's mentioned in twice in the, uh, the two times in this passage. And both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. Again, he says, here am I, my son. He was available for his son. He was listening to his son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering Isaac asked? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself. What a prophetic 
statement. A lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. There it is again. They went both of them together. And they came to a place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now listen, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said again, here am I. I love availability, don't you? Praise God. Amen. You might not be much, but you ought to be available. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability, fathers. Just be available. God will, God, will, God will help you. Amen. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon thy lad. Thank God. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast withheld thy son, thy only son, that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Now listen. And Abraham called the place of that, of that place, the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh. That is said to this day, in the mount, the Lord, it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heaven the second time. And he said, by myself have I sworn, said the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that, is a, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. And in thy seed, and in thy seed, Isaac's seed now, all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Old friend of mine, let me tell you this. God wants you to make a difference. And I believe one of the ways you can make a difference, and I believe the key essential for the revival of this nation is fathers. Leadership in the home. He said, I will make you a mighty nation because I know you and you know me. Genesis 18, I'll preach on it tonight. Verse 19. And folks, he said, he said uh, here am I, Lord. Here am I. Here am I. Well, fatherhood's not much. Well, God equates it to being essential to build a nation. I'm going to tell you why all these people out there rioting and looting and violence, because they ain't got a home. I'm going to tell you something. If I did something like that, when I was growing up, my mama and daddy would beat me half to death. Praise God. And I'm glad they would. Amen. One time I shot a window out with 153 BBs. Thank you, friendship class, for the 153 BBs. And uh, my mother was cruel enough to take a hickory switch and about beat me to death. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. I will never pick up a gun without remembering that incident. I don't even go hunting. I have no, uh, I, it took me 14 years to get a, pick up a fishing rod. But I mean, uh, thank, uh, I pick up a golf club. But I want to tell you something, friend. My mother had enough courage to say, you ain't going to shoot out your bedroom window with a BB gun because your devilish friend, Bubby, who I just buried, uh, uh, you know, he, he talked you into it. And friend, I want to tell you something. I had a mama and I had a daddy. And thank God, friend, I had some discipline. We need discipline.
We're in an undisciplined world. I'm going to tell you the whole problem with America. They're rebelling against authority. Authority. And the authority starts in the home. Say amen. Men, you are the leader, whether you like it or not. And folks, you need to be as, as Abraham. Here am I. Here am I. Here am I. Behold, I am here. But then at the same time, you need to both of you go together. Both of them together. Folks, it's a privilege to have the fellowship of the home, the love of the home. And I want to tell you something, folks. Both together is mentioned twice. Fathers, you must bring along your children. You have a responsibility to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so the next generation won't go out in the streets and, 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 and proclaim their liberty and have violence and all kinds of crime, but folks have a home where they're content and a home where they respect authority and a home where there's a father that lays down uh, the word and the mother has the law. Amen. The law of the mama. And folks, it's a shame and disgrace today that America is falling apart because of the fractured home. Let me just give you a few stats, and I don't like stats because you have to verify them, and I can't verify all of them, but I don't doubt any of these stats. 90% of all, of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90%. Let me give you this. 63% of all youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 63% of all youth suicides is from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorder come from fatherless homes. Folks, 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. And let me give you this one. This is a terrible one. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. A man was sentenced to death and the judge said, have you got anything to, to say? And he said with tears streaming down his face, I wish I'd had a mama and daddy. I wish I'd had a mama and daddy. I miss preaching at the YDC. I'm afraid if this thing don't get back together, I'll never be back there again. But I love it. I've been going there 38 years. 38 years. And every time I really get to dealing with young people, sometimes they'll open up to me. And I find out before there's juvenile delinquency, a lot of times there's parent delinquency. All they need's a mama, and all they need's a daddy, and they ain't got either. And sometimes they they got some that uh, they might be there, but they're not there. Folks, I want to tell you something. Fathers are the only hope for America. I got to read the verse. Go to Genesis chapter 18. I got to read it in verse 18. Seeing that Abraham, Genesis 18, 18. You with me? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. But look at verse 19, Genesis 18, next door. And I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. He says, I'll tell you why he's going to be a great nation, and he's going to be a blessing, is because he, I know him. And I know that he'll command his children. First of all, I'm just going to give you a few things. And by the way, there's three stages that children go through when, it, when referring to their daddy. When they're real young, they, they brag, my daddy can beat up your daddy. You ever said that? I don't know why any child would want their daddy to beat up another daddy. But anyway, 
Number two, my dad, when they get teenagers, doesn't know anything. But number three, when they get a little mature, have their own family, they say, my dad used to say. Amen? The respect grows. Amen. Praise God. But I want to give you just real quickly four or five things about how fathers can give an example of faith. We're talking about faith in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Number one, there's an example of obedience. In verse 1 and 2 of Genesis chapter 22, we see they made a three-day journey, and, he, and the Lord spoke to him, and his response was this, Here am I. Here am I. He said, I'm listening. I want to tell you something. You do your son or daughter a great favor if you're faithful to the house of God. You do a great favor that when you come to the house of God that you actually listen to the word of God. And then you do a greater favor to your child that when you leave the house of God that you live for God. Say amen. That it makes a difference in your life. That you apply what you hear. And you don't just talk the talk, daddies, but you walk the walk by faith. By faith. A good father is a good follower. A good teacher is a good student. And folks, I want to tell you something. Submission, humility will free you. Daddy, you don't have it all together. You don't, you don't have all the answers like Abraham. But he said, take now thy, thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now that, should, that, that probably blew his mind. Here he is, 100 years old. His wife's 90. They just had a miracle baby. And that miracle baby has been prophesied as the seed of a great nation. Of thousands and thousands of stars will be planted. And folks, that's Israel. And Israel brought in Jesus. Say amen. And folks, I want you to know, folks, he obeyed God saying, I don't understand, I'm thrilled, I'm excited, I'm overjoyed by this, this, uh, this miracle of old age and having this baby. And I know it's a promise of God and that God's going to use it. And now, Lord, you're telling me to go where? Go up to the top of the mountain and kill him. And guess what? He loads up the wood. He, loads, he brings his son alongside of him. They must have a great relationship or the son would have ran off. Into, the, uh, into another direction. Say amen. And so folks, listen. We see the example of obedience. Number two, we see that we exercise and be an example of faith by the exercise of worship. The exercise of worship. Look at verse five. And Abraham said to the young man, Abide ye here with, with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Oh, folks, listen. Does your family ever hear you pray, Daddy? Uh, does they, do they know that you know God? That's a requirement for a great nation. I want to tell you what, the, the, uh, what we ought to do. We ought to get in the streets and, and proclaim this. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves you. Black and red, yellow and white, Jesus loves you all. Amen. I thank God the Lord looks at the heart, not the skin. Say amen. We're the biggest hypocrites in the world if if we don't love black people and we send people, send my family to Africa, God help us. I want to tell you something what will liberate you. Read the book of Galatians and you'll find out that Jesus elevated the woman to equal status with man. 
and, and, he, and he condemned slavery, praise God. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Jesus is the great liberator. What we need to do is get out of the streets and come to the altars and fill the house of God and have tent meetings and have revivals and get back to God as a nation. We shake our fist at God and think that we can handle it and that we can get our ways. We are foolish if we think we can build anything, especially a family, without God. Men, you need God. You need him. And the only way you can get to know him is worship him. Does your family see you with the Bible open? Does your little boy and little girl see you weep before God in prayer for others? Do, do they know you know God? Do you walk with God? Is the presence of God, the Holy Ghost, in you in such a way that your children cannot deny that there is a God? I'm not talking about church entity. I'm talking about real Christianity, say amen. I'm talking about home religion. I'm talking about a relationship with a living God. Do your does your family hear you pray? Does your children know that you know God? Do they see you worship God? Especially during trials. Folks, Abraham was so close to God, he called this incident a time of worship. Amen. I mean, folks, if God had told me to do that to my only son, I don't know if I could call it worship. I might call it work. I might call it worry. I might try to figure it out. But I want to tell you something, friend. God wants us to set an example of obedience. And God wants us to exercise worship. And then third of all, I believe that we can be an example of faith by our expectation of faith. Look at verse 5 again. The last phrase and says, um, you stay here, abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. Me and my son Isaac will go yonder. We'll worship. We're going to worship God. We're going we're to look to him. And he says, and come again to you. And come again to you. Folks, I want to tell you some expectations. Abraham was certain and confident in the promises of God. And if you'll turn to our text, you'll find out why. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says it very clearly that he, he obeyed God, knowing that God never broke a promise, that God was an all-wise God, and he couldn't, he couldn't understand what in the world God wanted him to take his son and slay him up on an altar on top of a mountain. But this is the answer. He said in verse 18, of whom it was said that Isaac shall shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also received him in a figure. Folks, he said, okay, if I kill my son, since you promised that he would be the father of many stars and great nations and be the father of Israel, and that God would use his seed to create a great nation, then I believe you'll raise him up from the dead. That's faith. Abraham was a father that did not waver on his expectation of faith. He believed God. He believed God's word, and that settled it, and he acted upon it. And thank God for it. And then fourthly, we see that Abraham uh, could share his faith. He could uh, be an example of faith by shared experience of sacrifice. By shared experience of sacrifice. Look at verse 6. And Abraham took the wood 
of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife and they both of them together. And they went both of them together. What a picture. Then if you look at verse 8, the Bible says, And Abraham said, My son, after he asked, he said, Where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb, daddy? Where's the lamb? Daddy, daddy, where's the lamb? And he said in verse verse uh, 8, And Abraham said, My son, isn't that beautiful? My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. So they went both of them together. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's beautiful. It's wonderful to share the blessings of God together as a family. It's, there's no greater blessing. I love my wife so much. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. And to share the blessing. The blessing. Yesterday, Miss Burnell, I thought I was going to see for the first time in my life your son cry publicly. I was praying for it. I thought it'd be historical. Praise God. He does not cry in public. I believe he got beat up as a kid. He wouldn't cry. I guarantee you. But he got choked up. He got real choked up when you're performing a marriage ceremony of your adopted son who uh, the world was wanting to trash and go the ways of a mama that prematurely died, Kevin. And he got choked up. But I'll tell you who really got choked up. And that little old short fellow named Jeff Bush got up. And he's looking at his beautiful oldest daughter. And he starts getting choked up. And he said, we prayed every night for you. He got choked up. I said, I know we're going to see him crying. He did cry a little bit. I've been there trying to give... Amy away and Stephanie away. You can give the boys away, but boy, you start giving these girls away. Whew, that was rough. You just hope and pray they get a godly leader. And I want to tell you something, old Tyler never stopped smiling. And I'll tell you why. He got a godly girl that was raised in the same field that they're going to, Argentina, and gladly want to go there. And then go to the cabin and somebody else is there and she still loves him, amen? <laughs> Wasn't his fault. But I'll tell you this, friend. It was a beautiful worship setting. I know we was all distanced and there was one over here and one over here. Just like y'all are, this is so, so aloof, so impersonal. Some of you love it. I was talking to somebody the other day says, man, I love this thing because I'm socially distant in my personality. I said, yeah, you need to get a little closer if you're going to get married. But anyway, you know, and uh, I tell you this, friend, thank God, thank God for a marriage being a worship ceremony. And I'm going to tell you why. I state it very clearly. A marriage is a worship ceremony. And I'll never, never marry homosexuals or transgender because it violates the worship standard of this church. Amen. Say amen right there. Some of y'all don't like that. Then you're probably in the wrong church because you're liberal. Because I'm going to tell you something, the Bible preaches against des desecrating God's marriage and God's creation. If you're a male, you ought to be a male. If you're a, a girl, you ought to be a girl. And if you don't like it, you just need to take that up with God because God created you the way he created you. Say amen. And it's blasphemy to shake your fist at God and say, I'll change my sex. 
and I'll marry the same sex. And folks, we live in a wicked day today, and I'm going to tell you where it started. There was a father that did not lead his children, and there was a mother that did not lead their children. Dress them in pink. Put a John Deere tractor in the hand of their boy. Praise God, raise up a child that knows what he is. He's a creation of God, and he's not an excuse. He's God's creation. You say, what that's got to do with this point? Not anything. I just wanted to get it off my heart. <laughs> no, I'm talking about sacrifice. Folks, you must sacrifice pop popular opinion. You need to sacrifice what's politically correct. I'm so sick of that. You need to sacrifice what everybody else is doing. You need to sacrifice being popular, and you need to be like, oh, Abraham, Daddy, here am I. I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to sacrifice for you. Now listen, and I'm going to worship you. Put your phones up when I'm preaching. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to understand and respect God's word as God's word, not Wayne Cofield's word. Amen. If you ever get past that, you'll be, you'll, be, you'll be worshiping, but you'll be sacrificing because you'll gladly give your life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Whew. By the way, it wasn't Isaac that died on Mount, Cal on Mount Moriah. It was Abraham. He died to himself. Say amen right there. He died to himself. And that was the whole test. God was not, hey, God did not want Abraham's son. God wanted Abraham's heart. And he was testing his faith. And folks, when he passed the test, he says, now I know you fear me. Amen. We need fathers that fear God. I got to close but folks, I want to tell you something. Fathers, you can give an example of faith by the example of obedience, the exercise of worship, and the expectation of faith. There's three little boys playing in a sandbox. How many remember those sandboxes? Amen. I used to build those things with my kids, and they thought that was the biggest thing. Now it's trampolines and swimming pools. Just build a sandbox. Praise God. And they were arguing. One little boy said, hey, my daddy knows the mayor. The other little boy piped up and said, hey, my daddy knows the governor. And there was a godly preacher that was listening in on this conversation from the living room door. And that little boy said, well, that's nothing. My daddy knows God. My daddy knows God. Folks, I want to tell you something. Your, your, your children will know that you know God by the degree that you're willing to sacrifice for him. You're, 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 you're willing to love him and stand for him in these wicked, perverse days, these perverted, twisted days of moral values and stand for what's right. And not be a question mark, but be an explanation point for God and decide that you have some convictions based on the word of God. Amen. Men, you need to be men of conviction, but you need to be men of sacrifice. And then last but not least, we 
fathers can give an example of faith by experiences of God's blessing. Look at verse 14. This is so wonderful. He raised his blade, his knife. He's going to pierce his son's heart knowing that God would raise him up. And then he said, hey, wait, hold it. I know that you, uh, in verse 12, he said, I know that you fear God. And thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. I'm going to tell you something. If you withhold your son or your daughter from God, you'll pay for it. Because the world will suck them down the drain. They'll marry wrong. They'll raise their next generation wrong. And their life will be a disaster. All because they did not worship your God. And I believe that one of the greatest ways to, to motivate our children is to enjoy God's presence. Let me just say this, and I want to say it very clearly. If you have a bad attitude towards the house of God, towards the Word of God, it'll be caught by your children. But if you have a wonderful appetite, a wonderful uh, desire, a wonderful desire to worship the living God, to sacrifice for the living God, to walk by faith, to obey God no matter what, your children will catch it. It's called discipleship. And what does it profit a man if he disciples the whole world and loses his children to the devil, and to the world, and to the flesh? We got to start somewhere, men, so we might as well just start in our own home. Say amen. There's a lot of people they want to be politically correct and they want to argue and they want to have platforms and say they ought to look at their own home and get the get the uh, the the toothpick the telephone pole out of their own eye before they try to take the toothpick out of somebody else's eye. Get right with God. Get things settled in the home. Walk for God. Live for God, man. Be men of God. I don't baby men. I think you're in the army of God and you ought to be like soldiers and you ought to be able to take it. I don't want to be mean or crass, Brother uh, Gregory, but I believe that men ought to be able to take the truth, walk the truth, love the truth, and, and teach the truth to their children. Let me close. I've got to go. I don't know where I'm going to go. I know I've got a good lunch ready. I smelled it before I left. But uh, look at verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Men, this is my prayer for your home. That your children will call your home Jehovah Jireh. The Lord sees and the Lord provides. That's what that means. Oh, what a prayer. Oh, what a desire that your children would know that your home is a place that God looks upon, blesses, and provides. Amen? And I'll tell you, there's no more. Hey, listen. Kids will stop running away and they'll start running home to a place where God is reverenced, where God is feared, and where there's a daddy that's a good student. A daddy that's a good follower. A daddy that's a humble servant. A daddy that said, bless God, I'm taking my family to heaven with me. And before we get there, we're going to win souls. We're going to glorify God. And we're going to be faithful to the word of God.
Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh. God will see and God will provide. You know, Isaac learned this in an intimate and personal way. I mean, it was a blessing. And he saw the willingness of his daddy in every, every shape and form. And folks, Isaac one day passed that faith on to Jacob. And Jacob had the privilege of having uh, being a, a father of, of uh, 12 kids and praise God, the 12 tribes. And folks, I want to tell you something. It was a blessing. He passed it on. Look to Genesis chapter 26 real quick. I'll give you the key to Abraham's good fatherhood. Two words, wells and altars. Wells and altars. The Bible says in verse 17 of, of Genesis 26, Isaac now has become a well digger. Folks, and Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Jerah and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of daddy. See, I want to tell you something. There's two characteristics. If you'll study the book of uh, the life of Abraham, he dug wells and he built altars. He dug wells and he built altars. Folks, the altar speaks of worship and the wells speak of provision. And folks, he lived in tents. The Bible says in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, I read that last, last week about uh, verse, uh, let me see here, let me find it real quick. Um, verse 9 of Hebrews 11, it says, And by faith he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Pass it on. Praise God. You'll read this, this, this chapter, and the Bible says, uh, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Verse 19. Folks, the wells speak of provision. The altars speak of worship. And the water speaks of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Word. And folks, he passed it on. He passed it on. Wells speak of provision. Altars speak of his presence, and praise God, water speaks of his power. And Isaac carried it on. Look at verse 24. We're in chapter 26 now. I'm closing. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham. Hey, do you hear that? He appears to Isaac and says, I am the God of daddy. I am the God of your father. I am the God of of the man that's led the way, that sack was willing to sacrifice you, and the man that never wavered in his faith, except for a few times, and then he got back up. The Holy Spirit just checked me on that. It says, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I'll bless thee, and I'll multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. For daddy's sake. And look at verse 25, and I'll close. Y'all ready to go? Somebody's shaking. Yeah, that's good. It says in verse 25, And he built an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. He built the altar. Verse 28, it says, And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee, the enemy started shaking in front of Isaac. Let there be now an oath between us. He said, the Lord's with you, Isaac. But folks, before the Lord was with Isaac, he was in tents, following the 
commandment of God, digging wells, building altars. Digging wells and building altars. Bible says in Psalms 110 verse 7, that there's a wells and water in the way. So they dig wells in the valley of Baca. That's where there was, where there was desert and, and they would dig wells praying that it would rain later so the travelers that follow them could drink from the water that was in those wells. And folks, I want to tell you something, friend. God wants you not to run a sprint, men. He wants you to run a relay race and hand the, hand the baton to the next generation. John G. Patton shook this world, great missionary. He had a father who always entered his prayer closet twice every day and called the family together in family prayer three times a day. Patton grew up to shake the world with the gospel. Many of the isles and the seas heard the gospel for the very first time because a little boy saw God and his daddy. Hudson Taylor had two plaques erected in every room of his house in plain sight for his children. Number one was the word Ebenezer, which means whither to hath the Lord helped. And the next plaque he put in front of all his children's rooms was Jehovah Jireh. God will see and God will provide. So leave a pattern, men. Don't play it safe. Don't play it safe. Invest in the next generation. And praise God, that generation will outlive you and last for all eternity and make a difference. Build an altar and build some wells. And there'll be an Isaac that comes behind you or a Mrs. Isaac, a Mary and Isaac, and say, I think I'll go on anyway by faith. A little boy was dying of leukemia back in the 50s and 60s when there was no cure for leukemia at all. And the preacher was a man of God and he had been into many hospital rooms to tell people that they were soon going to be in heaven, but he was going to tell his own 12-year-old boy that he wasn't going to make it. He went by the bedside and started talking to him. His face was already pale. His body was already weak from the impending disease, soon home going. And he looked at his son, began to weep, and he said, Son, you're going to meet Jesus soon. He began to weep a little bit. The little boy was, of course, sad. He's going to leave his daddy and his mama and his family, brothers and sisters. And the preacher asked a very unusual question. He said, Son, <clears throat> are you afraid to be with Jesus? The little boy got up on his elbows. The light was coming in the hospital room so he could see the expression on his face. He was already so weak and pale. And he looked at his daddy as sincerely as he could, and he said, No, Daddy, I'm not afraid to see Jesus if he's anything like you. If he's anything like you. Folks, I want to tell you what our goal ought to be. Not to be like the president, not be like the preacher. 
But our goal ought to be to be like Jesus. Because there's some little eyes that looking up to you as a hero, as an example, as a display, as a portrait of the living God. And they need to see Jesus as Isaac saw Jesus and saw God who will provide in his daddy. And as they dig the, dug the wells together and they built the altars, after Abraham died, Isaac kept on digging the wells and building the altars. And God used him as a seed of a great nation. Let's pray. Father, I know I went too long, but I only get Father's Day once a year. And I need to be thorough. Because, Lord, we're not playing a game. We're in a warfare. And the devil's after our children. And he's after men of God to be devoured in their faith. To be divided in their loyalty. And to be deluded in their stand. For God. God give us men of faith. God give us men of valor. God give us men that are humble enough to realize they can't be a daddy. They can't be a husband. They can't be a Sunday school teacher. They can't be any kind of leader to any child without you. God help us. God help us to obey you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And then God, when it doesn't figure and we can't fill it out, and we can't figure it out, may we obey by faith. And may we be teachable and leadable, humble and sweet and kind so our children can see a pattern of your precious love. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to invite the men of God to find you a place of prayer. I know that we're in socially distanced, but I'll tell you what, at the end of your pew, you might want to hit the altar. Or some, and this is a big altar. I mean, this is 60 feet wide. And men, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to come to the altar and let's have a Father's Day prayer. Because I'm going to tell you something. Your children are dependent upon you. Let's stand. Come on. Men, would you join us in prayer? If you don't feel comfortable coming, pray where you're at. Be fine. There's a whole front pew there you can spread out. Men of God, you are called to be men of faith. On this Father's Day, it ought to be a day of rededication. It ought to be a day of dedication. Anybody else? You men don't want to come to the altar, why don't you just kneel right where you're at? Make that pew an altar in front of you, that'd be fine. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Now let me say this, man, if you're not saved, you ain't got no hope of leading your children right one day when you have children, if you have children, or leading anybody else right, because you can't take somebody where you've never been. So if you're not born again, you need to get born again. And I'll tell you what, it takes a bigger man to live for God than it does to go down the drain for the world. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the message that I've been longing to preach. God, that's why I would dare not be distracted by anything. 
yesterday or day before. Because Lord, you laid this message on my heart to deliver. And I dare not get in the flesh and I dare not get detoured or distracted. God, I pray, oh God, I pray that I did a good job delivering what you laid on my heart. Because Lord, it's a message that could change the next generation as daddy lives it. So God bless these men. Have them be men of faith, proven by their obedience, proven by their worship, and God proven by their faithfulness, and proven by your presence, Jehovah Jireh, in their life. God, may these men build an altar with all their building projects, may they build an altar. And God, may they dig some wells for the next generation. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of delivering this message to these dear men of God that I love so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.